0: Welcome to the Built On Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. In each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern and join our active community at BuiltOnAir.com. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, On2Air Backups. On2air Backups provides automated Airtable Backups to your cloud storage for secure and reliable data protection. Prevent data loss and set up a secure Airtable Backup system with OntoAir Backups at OntoAir.com. As one customer, Sarah said, Having automated Airtable Backups has freed up hours of my time every other week. And the fear of losing anything. Longtime customer David states, OntoAir backups might be the most critical piece of the puzzle to guard against unforeseeable disaster. It's easy to set up, and it just works. Join Sarah, David, and hundreds more Airtable users like you to protect your Airtable data with OntoAir backups. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at ontoair.com. And now, let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air.
1: Welcome back to the Built On Air podcast. We are in episode four of season 16. Good to be with you all. We've got a full house today. Camille and Ali, as always, welcome. And Jen Rudd, back with us again. Welcome back, Jen.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Good to have you back, as always. We'll uh, see what Jen's up to in a bit. But um, let's walk through what we're going to be talking about today. The Built On Air podcast is an hour-long show we'll be uh, walking you through. We start with our round the Bases, keep you up to date with everything going on in all the Airtable communities. Then a shout out to OntoWare Backups, our primary sponsor. And then Jen will be walking through how to build proposals automatically in using uh, different tools to do that. And then Camille is going to go through some of the updates to interfaces and in particular in the detail pages, some of the new changes that they've made, how those work. Then a quick shout out to join our community at Built On Air. And then finally, I'll wrap up with Array Slice focus on the new uh, Array Slice formula function that's available. So around the bases few uh, announcements from Airtable. The first one is they want feedback. This is good to hear. Maddie is the community manager at Airtable and is asking for ways to improve the community. So please share your feedback. There's definitely room for improvement. We've gone through many uh, discussions on that front. Um, So hopefully they will listen and we'll take and we'll make some improvements to the community. I
3: see Scott has already begun.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Kavon as well. Mm-hmm. We'll see where it goes. Most of it is private. There's a link um, right there to fill out feedback. And uh, so, yeah, please share your feedback to them. I think um, if they really are listening and, and want to make changes and improvements and put some more resources behind it, there is a lot of potential there for, for the community to grow and, uh, improve. Next I'm sure one. He's the
2: list. He's already doing.
1: <laughs> What's that? You're building the I'm list. Your
2: list. Uh, Scott's list is mostly in- inclusive of what I would say. So yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's, that's our spokesperson. Right. <laughs> Scott Scott's on watching. So he knows his task. <laughs> All right. Um, There was one announcement um, from Micah, Airtable employee talking about improvements to update uh, to the record details. Um, Is this, Camille, is this where you're talking about? um, These changes? Okay. So we will dive into this. And um, so just high level uh, layout flexibility, more options on canvas controls. Uh, supportive Text, uh, Helper Text, and a few other things. Um, there is still the Convert to Legacy layout will continue to be available as well. Um, actually, I did hear from Airtable that they they told me that that will not go away until you can do everything in the new layout that you can do in the old one. So hopefully that Good. is Yeah, I I will say I'll get
3: into like some of the details later in the show, but um, many of the things that I in particular was complaining about were addressed in this update. Some of the things that um, I want are still not there, but I agree that this is much better than what it used to be. And this coupled with some of the improvements to the legacy layout does make it like a really viable layout option. You still might want to use the legacy um, layout. It really depends on what you're trying to put on the screen, but there are now some considerable positives to using the newer layouts. Again, some stuff is still missing.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, there's some good feedback here. Several um, drew with some good feedback. Very good. Yeah, so we'll dive into that. Um, Here's just kind of the Meredith posted similar and how she's using the the new stuff. Um, So good conversation in the built on air community about these changes. And
2: um, I still want to be able to print a gallery layout because it looks like you can print it. You can turn on the settings, like the buttons there, but then when you actually push it live, the button disappears to print, which is really annoying. Oof. It's like it's there. Just turn it on. I yeah. think because
3: it's paginated, Airtable probably is like, well, how do you want the different pages to print? And they haven't figured that out yet. But they shouldn't show the button anywhere if it's not ready, you know? Because it's confusing.
2: It is. Because I was talking to someone with, with an interface and we were building it and we're like, oh, great. It'll do exactly what we wanted to do. And we publish and like, you no, know, it not Yeah. I'm still so
4: frustrated with the, like, differences between just, like, take the list layout, for example. Like, you can do, there's if you're doing the legacy layout or the list, the full list page on the interfaces or the list element, dragging it into, like, the old element-based layouts, there's three different sets of features that appear and don't appear, like, seemingly without rhyme or reason. And it's just, like, can't they all be the same? Like, I'm so frustrated being like oh wait i can't do that unless i put it over on this type of layout and i can't do that if unless it's on this layout it's like "Ah, i want it to just be consistent
1: yeah yeah i don't know if we'll ever get that until they get all the new stuff and that becomes the only way to do it (laughs) i know
2: i just want the add record button to work with any instance of the list
3: i would agree yeah I, I really find it useful to have that um, button at the top to open up like a new record form um, mm-hmm. or even the um, link to existing record that's um, also handled by that same button. very useful, and you can't do it on the element based um, layout views. I don't know how to describe like I guess the legacy the legacy, legacy, legacy. Before there were detailed pages at all, you had like the blank layout where you would drag individual items and record pickers. And it's getting very difficult to describe what I'm talking about. Yeah,
2: yep. absolutely. Or That's when you I have agree. more than one action button, the other ones just disappear behind the three little dots. Yes. I do not which, like that. And you can't add like on top of that, a little note that says click here to open the other button. Like, <laughs> You can't add any helper text to a list layout.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, some stuff is still missing, which I'll get
1: into. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Scott, are you listening?
1: Yeah. Add it to the list. All right, here's a couple. Um, Scott actually, will continue with the Scott theme, found a couple <laughs> um, issues or nuances with Airtable, this one is in regards to different behaviors of the last modified time so depending on so if you create a new record it'll automatically set the last modified time and it'll be the same as the creation time if you do it through the api it also behaves that way Um, if you use the csv import extension it will also do that however if you import new records into an Airtable by right clicking on the table name and choosing to import that way. Airtable only records the creation time. It leaves the last modified time completely blank, which is interesting. Um, Yeah.
4: Yeah, there's, I, I don't trust, like I use last modified time for reference purposes, but I, Never, I, I would venture to say, like maybe 1% of my automations have anything triggered off of the one record updated or one using the last modified time field. I just don't trust it. I try really hard to use one record matches conditions and kind of just trick it into having some sort of, you know, if I can fit it into that window, I do instead yeah. of using last
3: time. I do remember. I didn't notice that it was inconsistent. I I remember thinking, like, oh, if I create a record, last modified will be filled in. And then I would flip flop back and forth between, no, of course it doesn't get filled in. It wasn't modified. It was created. Of course it would be filled in because you are creating is a modification. And I couldn't ever remember which one is true. And it turns out it's because it's inconsistent. So now I don't feel bad. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've also noticed if like you use button actions and error table to trigger automations. It doesn't log the person who clicked the button. It logs the automation as the last modified user, which is really annoying too. Right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of like a little, I mean, yeah, if, if you're doing the last modified time of the entire record, but you could trick it to do, if you have a, um, if your button is triggering an automation, like, then trick- that's different. If your button triggers a field, which then triggers an automation. Yeah. So like if
2: you like check yeah, this box, that person check the box right. by clicking the button. Yeah, it's just mine. Yeah. Yeah. It
3: yeah.
1: Nuance. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a good little trick though. You because you can set the button to update a field and then That's set the right. automation off of that. So
3: and and if That's you use a instead of a single select. I often use a single select, but if you use a checkbox, it means you can force your users to only run the automation once, which is sometimes useful.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. Lots of little hacks there. Awesome. There's another one um, Scott brought up in restoring records from the trash, um, some unexpected behaviors if you delete a record then the restore that record, the record reappears in your base with the original created time and record ID. However, instead of reappearing with the original last modified time, it updates the last modified time to the time of the restoration. Mm -hmm. And so that can potentially cause, because that's going to re-trigger things if you are using, again, why Ali probably avoids that.
4: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
3: I mean, I get it. I can see why you might change the last modified to when it was restored, mm-hmm. however, I can see why you wouldn't as well. So I I guess it's like, what is the most expected behavior? I'm restoring a record. Give me all the values that it used to be. So don't yeah. update the last modified. I think that's probably the expected experience. And so just sort of making that shift might make things less confusing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it's just having the fact that sometimes people really care about all the history of a record. Mm-hmm. And so when you're restoring it, obviously, user be, users need to be trained not to throw stuff in the trash. But if it is being trashed, what's the, you know, how do we get that historical behavior and information?
4: Right. And so. I like what... um I like what Scott even detailed in here. It says that there is nothing that shows up in the revision history if you restore the record, even though it's mm-hmm. changing the last modified time, it doesn't tell you why. So, even if yeah. feel like a happy medium would be, you know, show in the revision history, this record was restored at this time. So that way there's some hint about what happened.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Although, I like it tells you who threw it away, though. <laughs> Yeah. Out of amazing
1: yeah and it yep. would yeah and it would be nice to show in the in the history um that it was restored you know yeah. and deleted yeah.
2: <laughs> and,
1: yeah yeah so
4: i try but and train and people, people to celebrate records yeah right
3: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can turn that feature off but you do have to do it table by table which is annoying if you have a lot of tables and a lot of bases to manage
4: mm-hmm
1: Oh, and here's one more. Scott says, <clears throat> and it it triggers a newly created automation. So if you have an automation <laughs> that triggers on new record,
2: that's
1: that's
2: really I tough. try to avoid no. those as much as possible because <laughs> exactly. you want to be sure it matches the criteria.
3: Yeah. I think it would trigger exactly. basically everything. When record matches conditions, if it matches a condition at that's all, true. when record enters a view and when record is created. So they can help with the record is created. Cause it's not, it's being restored. So they could probably eliminate that. But the other two, I don't know if there's a way around that. I think it would, cause then it's like, when should Airtable tell you, yes, it has met your conditions, but no, it shouldn't trigger this automation, but the, it shouldn't be counted as
2: created.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I really try, I try hard to, every time I make an automation like I said, I always use when record matches conditions and I have at least two steps after that trigger. One is to like perform the action and then the final step is to go back and update that record in some way to say I did perform the action, whether that's like adding a timestamp or like changing a single select or a status. Mm -hmm. And then my filters for the conditions are like, this is true and this is empty. Like, so that way it's not gonna trigger more than, Uh yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. All right, moving on, going to uh, Reddit. Here's a really good thread. Um, Somebody doing some analysis of Notion versus Airtable for a fairly large um, database and some pretty good reviews. So this is is somebody's um, pros and cons list of Airtable versus Notion. And they went through it and actually used both to kind of get a feel of how it would be Um, so they have 10,000 rows and, um, get a, get a pretty good overlay. Um, sounds like it's, this person's leaning towards notion, um, but felt it was sluggish, but they did like the experience better. I'm kind of moving away from notion personally. Like we're, we still use notion. Um, and at one point I was very heavy into notion, but I'm using it less and less.
3: Notion strikes me as a product that I wouldn't necessarily replace Airtable with, but supplement Airtable with. Like, whatever you would use interfaces for or you would use page designer for, I imagine you could do quite well in Notion and have things be editable and connected and all that good stuff and shareable. Um, I do feel like one of the points in this thread is that scrolling through a lot of records in Notion is pretty laggy. Maybe in the future they'll do some performance enhancements, but Airtable is, I think, better for viewing like many, 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 many records at once, and Notion is better suited for deep dives into a particular record. I
2: think. Um, yeah, I would use Notion more like a more complex Google Doc than I would for a database. I would agree. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Same
3: yeah, Melanie's in our chat saying, just discovered Coda recently. Wow. So glowing. Yeah, I
2: just I just recommended Coda to a client who thought our table was too database It was more like a personal management. So mm-hmm. I think Coda is a good app for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Notion is just like a nice Google
1: Doc, yeah. personally. Yeah. 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 And somebody, a, a Coda employee, actually created a sample database in Coda for for people to, to check out and use to get a feel for large data set?
3: I'm still not sure what the difference <laughs> between Notion and Coda is. Like to me, because I haven't used either with, you know, to build any complete project with, it's a lot like saying Google Docs and Microsoft Word to me and that like those are pretty similar in terms of products and I'm sure there's like use cases where one is better than the other and I just don't know enough about either to you know ascertain which is which. Yeah. So I like no coda
1: one, okay yeah table plus notion. Okay.
4: Yeah. I like I mean coda I haven't picked up in a long time but I know when I did I built a couple of projects in Coda that it, fell apart because it just did not scale at all. This was years mm-hmm. ago. So I've heard they've made many improvements to scalability since then, but like moving the same exact project with the same exact functionality into Airtable, some things were a little more difficult because Coda has a really nice like dot notation for formulas where you don't need to have these lookup fields and all these crazy things. Yeah. Um those also slow you down. Um but ultimately Airtable scaled like it's, st- it's still up and running while the Coda projects failed after like a month.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's almost it's like like as a developer, like all of us that are builders, like it's enticing because you can do so much and mix and match and unstructured data. But sometimes mm-hmm. there, there's value in structure and coming back to like the simplicity of every column is the same data type. Um, I am now through that life cycle.
3: I'm so biased now towards structured data. I think because I work in such a large company that I I want to always say this column is a number. It's a number and it can't be text. I don't care (laughs) if you want text, use a different column.
4: Validation.
3: Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the like, it's enticing, like, you know, notion, like, but then you just get, it gets so unwieldy, like you're in this nest of different components. And I I feel like Coda is the same. I haven't spent as much time in Coda. Um, So it definitely is is enticing that you feel like you can do everything you want, but then it gets too complex. Sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, good discussion there. Uh, Moving on to the uh, table forums. this was, if you, we talked about a previous post that was all about checkboxes. Um, and only in, in these types of communities are you gonna get people loving talking about checkboxes. Now we're talking about button fields versus action buttons and the pros and cons. And Kavan gives a good um, insight there. So, what are the pros and cons to button fields versus action buttons? What are they? Who wants to explain the difference?
4: Well, <laughs> an action button in an interface can mean a million things now because we have a bunch of different iterations of what those are, depending on do. what layout you're on. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but they can do many more things in an interface. Um, whereas, as Kavan mentioned, an a button field can only open a URL in an in, in an interface, um, which can be powerful and can be nice um, depending on how you're using it. But in the actual database, you can use the button field to do other things like run scripts, open page designers, stuff like that. But none of those actions are actually available when you're looking at it in an interface. Um, yep. So there's functionality available on both sides and neither one of them are 100% available when in an interface which
3: is yep. frustrating yeah um. it's you you really got to ask yourself ask yourself first what is it that you're trying to do with a button and where are you and then that's going to determine what one you use because there's not actually a whole lot of overlap between a button field and a button interface element. Like if you think mm-hmm. of if you use like softer or you know Glide or any any other like portal, um, and you're importing your Airtable data into it, the button fields there you can import and it's just going to be a URL. It's the same thing as an interface designer. Um, it none of these systems, including Airtable's own interface designer, talks to page designer, it doesn't talk to any of your extensions, really. It just sort of opens URLs, but the interface buttons perform actions. They can directly trigger an automation. They can go to a different page. They can use the URL from your button field and make it into a slightly different looking button with fewer color options. Strange, but you could do that. So... If you, if your button is just supposed to open a link, ask yourself what color you want to use. If you want to do everything else, ask yourself what you want that button to do.
4: Right. And if you need a button for every record, like in a list layout, yeah, then, then you're going to need to use a button field yep. um, because That's you can great. only have one action button at the top of the page or wherever. But the but button field, heavy. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um so it might be nice if you have a button that's like you know view website for this company or something like that and that mm-hmm. appears for every single record. Um that would be when I'd use a button field or if you ne- like need to link to an interface page in a different uh base maybe or something like that. Otherwise you can just use the open record details which is nice. Um There's a million things to talk about here. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: I'm sure Kavan and uh, Scott covered it quite well on this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And it actually goes back in Dakota talking about the differences between how Coda is. huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kavan's definitely in the Coda. Bill's a big Coda fan, so there's definitely fans out there. So yeah, if you want to know everything there is to know, here's a really good th- thread on button fields versus action buttons. <laughs> All right, last one or one more. Um, also from the Table forums community. If this is a nice little hack, if you're wondering, if you're trying to figure out like the size of your attachments um, inside an attachment field, you could you could extract that via script. Um, but there's also a way you can do it as an automation. The automation will give you that information. So you see here in the screenshot, you can get the URL the type of attachment, the thumbnail URL, or the size, and then you could then save that into another field um, to get the value. But I think this would only, you couldn't loop through all of them if you have more than one attachment. Um, I think this- Right. Zoom's a single attachment, yeah. I'm
4: guessing it would probably have a comma separated list of all the sizes, Mm -hmm. yeah maybe well could you could you do a uh, never mind that's complicated i was gonna say you could try and do it a repeating group I'm try- without a script you could use a script obviously but if you did a repeating group and use that size as the list i wonder if you could like hmm. do something weird
1: nah we might have to do a segment on that
2: <laughs>
1: see how that works yeah Anyways, good stuff. If you're looking for attachment size, that's a, that's a good way to go. Script would probably be easier for me, but uh, yeah, it's an option there. Okay. Last one. This is from X Twitter um, from Julian, who's a consultant in the space and kind of gives a, like a, a philosophical discussion of what, what should, would the focus be, um, you know, Airtable, what is Airtable famous for? It's famous for its database, less so its interface. There's other products that are maybe stronger on the interface side. And so he's basically giving an argument that, or or, or a, yeah, an argument that you should focus at the database and, and kind of go database first as you're viewing things instead of getting too fancy with the, with the interfaces. And even if you are using an interface, just use a grid view and kind of just um, do things. his argument was, if if you're thinking interface first, sometimes you have to do things at the data layer to make your interface work. But his argument is make sure your data structure is correct and then deal with the, the ramifications from there. Thoughts on different approaches?
3: I I don't know if I have a fully formulated, like, response, but my, I think my inclination is more, almost the opposite, because Airtable is not the best database. In fact, if you just look at it as a database product alone, taking just the grid view, no other views at all, um, it's, like, way behind so many other different platforms because you have so many different limits in terms of the number of fields you could use, the number of records you can have, the number of field types. There's no JSON field type, although like most of the other SQL-based databases that I can find have at least some contingencies for that. Um, Airtable's not really a database product. It's more like... it it wraps together a backend as a service, as well as a uh, user interface on top of it. Um, And then on top of that, they have interface designer, which is basically an, an app builder and they have an automations layer. I think as a whole, that really is their strength, which is why they keep pushing the connected apps platform marketing pitch, because really that's what it is. A lot of their competitors do like two of the three things Airtable does better, um, but they don't do the third thing at all.
1: Yeah, that's a fair
0: take.
1: Mm-hmm. So, anyways, we'll we'll wrap up there with the with the um, round the bases. I will say on this note, there is likely an announcement coming from Airtable that might actually probably be counterintuitive to to Julian probably goes against what uh, Julian is preaching here. Um, so we should see something maybe later today. We'll talk about it next week, but it it does kind of touch on this, on this vein. So little teaser there of Airtable news coming. All right. Let's talk about backups. Make sure ontoair.com is your place to go for your backup needs. It will help you follow best practices with your data and uh, make sure that you have your data stored outside of Airtable. We support Google Drive, Box and Dropbox to um, back up all of your data and your attachments and coming very soon, your schema for your um, base uh, schema fields and including formula fields that's now available. So that is coming very soon. And um, lots of new features we're we're working on for backups, so stay tuned for that. But check us out at ontoair.com and sign up. You can use the code built on there to get a discount to backups. All right, we're now going to learn about proposal generation with Jen. Share your screen. There you go.
2: Awesome. So I. Um... I built something similar for marketing clients where we, you know, build brief generators. So we basically get information into Airtable and then it will generate a Google slides um, brief so they can start working on briefs. But um, I actually came up with a solution about a week ago because I was finding out that we needed a lot of proposals written very quickly. Um, So, it was also helpful to kind of, as you're talking to clients and on sales calls, making sure you're gathering the right information so that you can quote effectively. Um, so what I did was I created a fill out form, which we used to kind of capture the information for um, a proposal. And um, we started using fill out forms first, because you can add more information into Airtable, like when you have other information or let you add questions and so forth, but it integrates directly with Airtable, so there's no lag time. We don't use like third-party services, and um, like you can see here, um, we added an extra field or another option, and it creates that new option as a dropdown, so it's kind of cool. But basically, the reason why we have this forum is because um, we want to generate a proposal programmatically from details in Airtable, but we want to make sure that we use what I call an interface, which is not the same as air table interfaces to make sure we capture the information in a way that makes sense and that it's organized. Um, so we use a form just generally um, for clients and just internally a lot just to make sure they're not missing information. So this is a fill out form that we set up and it's nice because it tells you when you mess up um, and you get a little confetti, which is great. And then you'll see it come into our air table interface. So what we do here is that we go in the interface, we can see all the information needed for the proposal and then start writing the proposal. And marketing team, lots of people, cool stuff. And then we pick up the client logo and I grab some logos this morning. And then um, I haven't been able to get the accent color to do what I wanted to do, but basically what we're trying to do is as much as possible from um, the Airtable interfaces as opposed to doing it uh, like going into Google Slides, duplicating a slide, pulling in the information. But uh, let's see, I probably didn't pick the right images doing this too fast and so like here's some stuff here and then what we can do too is we use the new ai feature in enterprise to generate some basic information like it takes this field right here and it gives me a lot of verbiage so i can review it copy it into the description i'm like oh this is super long so i'm going to cut it down And it says stuff I don't want. So this is what's actually going to show up on the slides. Then I trigger an automation and I fixed it today. So it actually shows me the Google slide link when I'm done. done. But we have an integration in make. Um, We trigger a webhook off of that um, button in Airtable, which is the automation. Then we use make to go back in the Airtable and load all the values from that record and then create it's a presentation, it adds the images to the slides, and then it returns the URL to Airtable. And you can see here that it doesn't like me, <laughs> but it fills, it basically takes my, um, I'll go into Google Drive, cause this is being annoying. Um, give me one second. Try that. But basically what's nice about this is though, even though the images aren't exactly perfect. Um, it fills in the information for us so that we can just make adjustments and then move on. So like we can listen to the placeholder and stuff like that. So, and then we can just take out slides that don't make sense for, um, that particular proposal. So it's still like a work in progress, but it just saves a lot of just the generic time. And it also sticks spots. AI generated blurb on the page for us. So it's it's just trying to be more efficient with the time. And also the biggest value that we've seen so far is that we can really look at requests and proposals and make sure that we are capturing all the information and we know how to respond to requests very quickly. So something that we just tried out.
1: Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So after make creates it, and then it saves the link to it, Mm -hmm. um, back in, back in their table.
2: Yeah, it does. And I, I just fixed that this morning and I think I just need to add some kind of criteria to it. So like it, you know, the webhook gets triggered. I just go back into our table and then it copies that template. It puts in, because we have these variables, let me get my template. It has these curly Q bracket um, mm-hmm. placeholders. So all of those placeholders become values that you can fill in. Yeah. And so let me go in and say, okay, now to this proposal, replace that logo tag with the client logo here, which is the Airtable attachment URL. And so I can't figure out how to get it the right color, like to fill the placeholder, but. I'm getting there i'm working on it mm-hmm. um but this is just it, it's it's helpful for me at least getting the words on the page and getting stuff in order without having to go in and do copies and paste and so forth it just at least puts the right place information on the right page
3: so, so. You, you basically did like a, a mail merge but with uh google slides mm-hmm. awesome Yeah.
2: Yeah. and we we had a client um, a couple of years ago who needed like a brief created and they were using PowerPoint and we're like, well, can you go to Google slides? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, we can use Zapier to do it now. I've just been using make more often and it's still pretty cool because you can upload images and so forth, but it's nice because it's just, it's a mail merge, but it's a fast mail merge that you still have to edit, but it's not as time consuming.
1: There was this really cool tool that also did this called onto air. But unfortunately went away.
2: <laughs> some and like I I started using it with documents and it works. Like we were using like the the, the before I was like, well I could just do this in an interface. We were using document to like get like the proposal into a page and stuff like that. The problem is is sometimes we need to make edits, like it's It's like page designer. You still have to make a little bit of edits and so forth. So having it in an editable process, like the Google Drive, Google Slides is really helpful. And I think nowadays, just putting it in a deck, people like to communicate with decks. So there's a deck. Mm
1: -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that very useful that, I mean, that's a pretty uh, common use case of, of Airtable, using it for proposals, legal contracts. Yeah, cause you can kind of do similar with Google Docs. And mm-hmm. so we, we use that approach quite often. Yeah,
2: yeah, and Airtable automation for Google Docs is okay, but it's kind of inflexible. So I find the mail merge aspect also out- allows you to better format.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, similarly. All right, let's move on. Interfaces with Camille. Share your screen. There you go.
3: Well, here we are again. Um, back in July. So, you know, it's it's been a couple of months, but in July, Airtable updated the detail pages for Interface Designer and added a bunch of stuff and took a bunch of stuff away. And I wrote quite a lot about um, what they were like. And I continue to write a lot and more and more and more and more basically. And it keeps going of just stuff that I noticed and stuff that I hope that they improved. And they have made some adjustments, I think October 17th or so. So here's the same detail page that I used for that, you know, just extreme Detailed response. Um, and I'm just going to go over some of the things that are different. Um, now I'm comparing the Jul- July detail pages to October detail pages, not to the legacy layout. We all know what the legacy layouts are like. So um, one of my frustrations with this particular layout, you can see I have these three similarly uh, designed fields um, and the July. Detail pages were very rigid in terms of um, for full page layouts, it was four columns across. For three page, uh, for the side panel layouts, it was three across. And you couldn't control if I wanted a a line break, if I wanted all of these to align. I didn't have that option. Well, now I do. I just sort of can drag and drop, and that's great. Um, And then Uh, That's the first thing. The second thing is that it was difficult to add items between um, each other. Again, it was like one long list of records that arranged itself into a series of rows. Now you can have like control over if I wanna put this record in between or this field in between, I can. And if I wanna get rid of it, I just click on it and hit delete. And you can see the columns are automatically adjusting. Technically, this should be two across. I'm unsure what its deal is, um, why it wasn't auto adjusting, but if I rebuild that row, um, it will probably, yeah. You can see it's now stretching full across and it will divide itself um, until it gets to its maximum of four things the, the more I go. So you can see I now have four things across, they've all adjusted their width and I can't add any more next to it. If I start taking things away, this row will adjust itself, but these uh, remain the same. So that's an improvement. You can now have within a group, different um, amounts of columns in a different row. Um, The other thing, these used to be called sections, they're now called groups, you can see, the uh, default title was my first section. It's now a group that's very minor. Something that's also somewhat minor but appreciated, you can now apply a background color to the group. When I say a background color, I mean a single background color. It's light gray, you can't do any other color. So I mean, why? <laughs> I don't know. but. Hey, now you can make this gray. So that is helpful for breaking up these pages, but it is, again, I find it strange that you can't do the like the light versions of the other colors, uh, but they built it in, the, the functionality, so maybe one day they'll add in the other colors, who knows, I'm gonna turn that off. Um, what you can also do, if I were to click on any individual uh, field, you can now have helper text. What's nice about the helper text is that it's rich text. So I can have um, like a bulleted list here that says, stuff, more stuff. And that's useful if you have to explain what your fields do. Um, my preference for um, helper text a lot of the time is to put it next to the field rather than between the title and the field content. But I can put this here, which is helpful. Um, you know, again, it's not quite there, but it is a considerable improvement, especially because it's rich text. So, you know, we're able to add like a direct link to something related to that field in that field alone. I'm going to turn that off because I don't need it um the other thing um with july detail pages you could have uh linked records appear as pills and cards but you could also have them as any of the other air table view types other than gantt because gants don't exist in um, interface designer um one of my major complaints is that it's so narrow for regular groups you can't have it expand across the full width, but for linked record groups, you can. So it's just this toggle show us full width and it does what you expect it to. It becomes full width. Um, I find it strange that I could do it for that, but not the you know, regular field groups, but I don't make the rules. That's, I'm just reporting what's new. Also um, in the July detail pages, Regular sections now known as groups could have uh, descriptions. again, those are rich text enabled but linked record um, groups could not now they can. So if I preview with no description included, it's going to get rid of that space automatically but if I start adding one here, you know it will appear. So that's nice. Now you can describe what your linked records, Um, are, and again, once more with feeling, they allow for rich text. Um, That's nice. Um, Before I forget, another one of my complaints is that you, in the July detail pages, you could only show one field once on the page. Sometimes what I like to do is have a read-only version of a field up at the top and an editable version at the bottom after I've explained very thoroughly what you're supposed to do with that field. Um, If you want to show a field more than once, you can duplicate it. And now I have two versions of the same field. Um, So, yay. That's a And they're
1: both both edited? can be editable?
3: this, This is a formula. So, I'm going to duplicate one that's not a formula. This is a regular text field. If I make that one view only, right? This is view only, but this one is editable. So that felt like a minor complaint for me. But I'm very glad that it's here because I don't need it so much with um, these types of fields. What I really needed it for was for linked records. Because sometimes I wanted to show it as a gallery. And sometimes I wanted to show it as a um, like as a grid underneath. And you can duplicate this whole section again. So the, the duplicated one doesn't come in as full width, but you'll notice that it does keep the um, description that I typed in. Um, is there any other major adjustment that I have forgotten? I don't know if there's a major change since the July version. Um, again, you can you can keep the the useful features of having um, end user. Uh, control over the view that they're given as well as like drop-down filters. You could also use their tab filters. That's very useful. But I think those are like the main changes that I noticed in this adjustment. Um, I think this is a better system than the July system, um, just because you can have that control of this row in this group should have two columns or maybe it only needs one column and it spans the whole way across. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: so it's more evident if I make that extra large. That's very useful and these down here, I'm in four. Now I have that control. Um, in legacy layouts, the maximum you could put next to each other, in, I think it was eight. You're cut down to four. So there's a lot more spacing in the new layouts versus legacy layouts, but um, it gives you like a piece of the flexibility that you used to have. And if you need things like these filters or being able to like search and all of that on your linked records, now it might be the case that the newer detail page layouts are better suited for your use case than the legacy. It now really depends. Before it wasn't so much a toss-up, now I think it's kind of a toss-up. It depends on like, yes, I need my helper text to be next to the field, or um, yes, I need more than four things next to each other, or I need this group to span the full width, or I need some color other than gray. Um, if any of those are critical for your layout, and sometimes they might be, then um, the newer detail pages still aren't quite there. But um, if none of those are super critical, then you might want to take a look at them again.
2: Awesome.
1: Very good. Very helpful. <clears throat> Keep us up to date on all the interface changes.
3: I sure will.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wonder, that, that's one thing, like the full width. And and in talking to Airtable, obviously mobile was the main driver to, to move to kind of this this approach. Mm-hmm. But there's still times if you're if you're web heavy that you want the eight columns or a full width. I wonder if they'll address mm-hmm. that.
3: Well, one thing that isn't quite addressed yet: you can make grids full width, but you can't make them any taller. This is the height, um, and mm-hmm. if you change the row height to its smallest, which is short, the maximum number of records that you can have visible at a time is 10, I think. It might be 11. That's not a lot of records. Why? I think that's my outstanding most major complaint. I can deal with the buttons being somewhere else on the page than I want them to be as long as I could put them there. I can't deal with only showing roughly 10 or 11 records at a time. Um, I love that I can make it full screen, but I also need that vertical height. This really only affects the grid view. List views will auto adjust their height for you. I'll just demonstrate, you know, it knows how tall the list is supposed to be. Obviously with gallery, you have control over how many rows there are on a page. so it really is kind of, it's the grid view, and I misspoke. Actually, Kanban kind of has this problem as well, that you don't have control over how tall it is. Um, I think you should be able to control how tall it is. <laughs> I have a lot of linked records.
0: I Not think anything. they
2: really try to force the list view, like, and the list view doesn't really solve, because like, the grid view has the ability to do like statistical analysis, whereas yeah. the list view doesn't. I would agree. The very use case that I'm building for has a lot of
3: numbers in it, and um, we want to be able to see the sum of those numbers across whatever grouping we're using. And list view looks nice, but it's it doesn't let me do that, and it that's kind of a deal breaker. So um, I'll use a list view where I can, but if I need, you know, this thing, my only Mm -hmm. option is group view. So yeah.
4: Absolutely. I wish you could um, like choose kind of like you can on the gallery, like it automatically like paginates. Like I'd like, yep. I wish you could do that with any of the views, like show all of the records. Cause sometimes if you have a lot of records, you don't want them all showing cause it takes up, mm-hmm. you don't want somebody to, have to scroll and scroll and scroll. So if you could just say show 10 at a time and have a little page switcher, that would be amazing too. But
3: I would agree. I think you could use it in conjunction similar to the row height thing where I don't need like pixel like control necessarily or to use a grid system. If you give me just these four options, if this height that I'm showing on my screen right now is short and then I have the option to make it a little bit taller or a little bit taller and a little bit taller, that would also work. Um, or to go straight into just show me a maximum of 50 records and then it just paginates. I would be fine with that too. But I, yeah. you know, this right here is not enough. But that's right. like really hyper focused on that one limitation that's been there since July. It's still there. <laughs> you know, this is better. Yeah. Still not there.
4: <laughs> yeah. I will say I love that they put the appearance tab on the same, they like merged it into just the one detail. Thing. Yes. Yeah, that because I'm, I'm constantly changing, like if you're on a text field or like a single select, I like to make those large a lot of the time. And now mm-hmm. you can all on the one screen, which is saving lots of clicks
3: for me. Yeah, Um. because you already have to like click into the item itself, right? You don't want to do another click up here to the appearance tab. So, right. yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Camille, for going through that. And I'm sure we will continue to keep you updated on as they improve interfaces. Definitely an area where lots of um, resources are being put into. (laughs) All right. Quick shout out. Join our community, builtonair.com slash join. We'll get you in, in particular to our Slack community of thousands of Airtable Fans and users, and talking every day, all day, about Airtable and how to use it in your business, and ask for help and share uh, cool things that you're working on. So join us at builtonair.com. Final episode. We're going to talk about array slice. Array slice is a new, is the newest um, newest uh, formula function. Um, it came out a few months ago. Um, and so as you know, if you, if you create a formula field, then you have different um, uh, functions in here. And there's a few, th- these have been here for a long time, array join, array unique, array compact, and array flatten. And then they added array slice. Um, and if we click on that, so it returns a subset of the array from the start index number Starting from one, so it's one based instead of zero. If you're a developer, you may be familiar with uh, starting at zero. These make it start at one. And then optionally specify an end index to um, stop. So that's the index of the the last element that you want. And you can also use negative numbers to count from the end to get to where you wanna be. So if you want just the last one element in array, you can use negative one you want the last two and we've got bill french listening in sharing with us <laughs> and can you use a race slice as a form of split let's find out let's see what happens there so basically this works um we're going to go through a couple of scenarios to see when it works and when it doesn't but the main use case is using this with um with uh, lookup um fields and um, where you are looking up into a linked record that then returns an array. So a lookup will return an array. An array is basically a, a set of, of items. So if you have a lookup field, that's looking into a linked record that can be one or more elements. And, um, and so this will extract from that array the, the elements that you want. So maybe you just want one item in there or maybe you want multiple. Um, We'll do a test to see what's going on there. So this one right here, this array, this is um, looking at a link, which is, um, let me double check, make sure my link is, um, yeah, so here's my link. So this is linking to another table and it allows for multiple, so I've got two up here, and I've got one here, and so um, so this this one is getting is using a negative one, so that's getting the last element in the array, and it's only getting one because I only have um, one item. And if you're using a negative, then you probably wouldn't. Um, uh, let's let's see if this works. So basically, I want to get from the second to last item, and I want it to end at the last item. I wonder if that will work. Let's test this out. <clears throat> I think I broke it. I just <laughs> crashed their air table.
2: The circle <laughs> of death.
1: There we go. Okay. So let me get one more in here. Okay, so we've got Facebook results. So it did not work because it brought in um, all four of them. So that one didn't work. If I change it to just negative one, that should just return a single one. And that does not work either.
3: That feels like a bug though, right?
1: So I think it's because, um, so it doesn't work on the link itself. So this is the actual link. Oh yeah, this is, this is why I built it. I, I did this base cause I was going to show it last week and I forgotten my use cases. But um, So this is trying to extract from the link itself and it doesn't seem um, to, to work directly on there but if i add a lookup field on that link and i just get the 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 name um then if i did it on there um that does work so it doesn't like the link itself you have to create a lookup on that link so here it's pulling in the last item so my last item is results summer travel spotlight and that's what I'm getting here. So if I do it on here, if I were to do a negative two, then it'll get the second to last one, um, and it pulls in from the second to last to the end. So if you don't put in that last parameter, it's gonna get all the elements to the end. Um, And so if we change that last one, I do negative two and I want it to, um, let's say end, well, let's do negative three and end on negative one. Um, actually, I probably wanna end on negative two. Let's see if that works. Okay, that does work. Okay, so you can play with the negatives, but the, the main thing is, if you do it on the actual link, it doesn't give you that, that um, index of the links. You got to create a lookup on there. Um, and so you can do things like, let's go back to, so if we want to start on the first one and end on the second one, you could do one comma two, and that will give you the first and the uh, up to the second. So some of these only have one, so it's only returning the the first one. Um, Let's look at this guy. Yeah, this is just looking at the the second one. So let's answer Bill's question. Let's see if we can slice a a text field. So in some programming languages, it can treat, uh, like in JavaScript, you can treat, a string as if it was an array and kind of split that string where you have one element for each character. Let's see what happens if we, uh, if we try to slice the text we have the name and let's just get the second to fourth. So we'll just get a couple in between. And it does not work. <laughs> so you can't slice it. So is there a way to convert the name into an array that might help? We Did array join? No. Um, is there a string to array function? There isn't, is there?
3: I don't think
4: so. All right. just
1: because um, yeah. array
4: join goes to a string puts an array and
1: yeah it. yeah so there is no uh split so that's a very common bill french has been asking for it from day one <laughs> that it needs to be there and what's odd is they clearly some developer said we need an array slice in here and added it that's probably if i feel like this is like the only new function that's been added in a long time um so i don't think they have a dedicated team building functions um, because they they don't come out very often but array split would definitely be one to add
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um the other one is attachments it does not like um attachments i was hoping to extract um something from the attachment it converts the attachments to um, strings. And so it puts like the name and the URL in parentheses. Um, and let's see, is this a lookup? Um, yeah, so this is a lookup and it didn't, and it didn't give me just one. So it converted the whole thing, um, into there. I was hoping it would just return one, but it doesn't, it doesn't like attachments, um, from my testing. So attachments are tricky. so that is ray slice any other experience using array slice
4: i haven't had to use it yet
1: yeah so you can use that Sorry. um same jen
2: yeah i'm sure i had some use case for it a year ago but we solved it with the formula for right now.
1: <laughs> very good we're, we're over time so we'll end there but jen tell people where they can find you you renamed right
2: so yeah it's, it's redconsulting.io. what is it you can
1: red consulting red there you go so no longer grow it
2: it's not
1: unfortunately
2: <laughs> um but if you look for grow Jen, you could still find it because i haven't done that because of a scrubbing
1: <laughs> <laughs> no worries glad to uh, have you back and we'll have you thank on you again there. and that's our show for today we'll see you all next week
2: thank you all
0: Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor onto Air Backups, Automated Backups for Airtable. We'll see you next time on the Built on Air Podcast.